The Diesel Performance Podcast contains explicit language. Thank you for joining us again. This is Paul Wilson. And I'm Danny Boss. And you're listening to the Diesel Performance Podcast. We've had some really good episodes here lately, huh? Paul, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you, I'm going to tell you all the time, we always have awesome episodes. It, it has just been really, really good. Uh, the 6.0, um, 6 liter Myths Busted wow. with yeah. Steven Peters. That's been a huge episode. A ton of feedback on that Tons one. Tons of downloads. Absolutely. We just released uh, Duramax Motor Builds with Guy Tripp. We had that 11-second Cummins with John Flamont. Chris Emke helped us out with that podcast. Yeah. And then um, Ryan Jolinas just posted today. Well, to the day we're recording it. It'll be a few days ago when you're listening to this. And that was all about diesel events all throughout the country. Ryan's been to more events than anybody else I know. So I know that was a really good podcast I did with him. Uh, Danny decided to be a stroke and disappear for the day. (laughs) (laughs) And then in the future, we got a few coming up, don't we? Yeah, we want to talk about this new outlaw class that's in our area for sled pulling. And we also want to talk about um, an episode regarding strictly driveline. Absolutely. Yeah, we've done so much around turbos and injectors and builds and motor builds. We kind of know that's that missing link, that thing that a lot of guys just don't know about but really need to. And I'll give you a quick secret who I'm hunting for that. I'm looking for Tony Burkhardt. Tony so, Burkhardt. Yeah, I'm coming for you, there brother. You <laughs> <laughs> Today, though, I'm really excited. Yeah, we who's have, on the phone here? We have Mark Broviak of Danville Performance to talk about two five chargers. How's it going today, Mark? Going good, guys. Absolutely. Welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We can talk about so much. We have limited time, and I'm sure that uh, we're going to scratch the surface here. But if anybody has any further questions after this show, please contact uh, Mark over at Danville. I'm sure he'd be glad to answer anything for you. Absolutely. But to get started today, Mark, why don't you tell us how you got your start in diesel performance? Oh, boy. That's a a long one there in itself. Um, Basically, started this performance shop back in late 05 early 06 and came from the ls world and uh kind of stumbled into it and was like wow look this stuff comes factory with turbo this is uh, definitely the place to go and <laughs> it just kind of blew up right at the same time and just so happened to be one of the early guys in it and was big on the turbo side of it and kind of blew up from there that's all it takes paul i mean something like that just something so simple grabs the attention of everybody and it seems like that's a commonality with all of our our guests absolutely you know we talk to a lot of our guests about going from the gas world to the diesel world and i think that's a pretty common thread with a lot of the diesel enthusiasts out there what was what are some of the biggest challenges about learning when you are like a real motorhead and you're into the gas stuff or going from the ls to the duramaxes what are some of the big changes you ran into mark uh, just just actual parts, uh, parts themselves, what they can handle, and vice versa, the availability of parts. Because, I mean, it's still, this industry is still growing leaps and bounds as far as the technology side of it and what, what we can and can't get away with. And, you know, the gas guys, they pretty much have it figured out. They've, it's nothing new for them, but this industry every year stuff just keeps getting pushed further and further absolutely yeah this is a a very early stages aftermarket performance kind of market especially like you said when you look at all of the ls stuff or even just gas stuff in general that's been going on since god since the 20s you know um Mm -hmm. it's really nothing new out there okay but today we wanted to talk about two five chargers and i think the best place to get started is can you tell our listeners 
what a 2.5 charger is? Well, in a nutshell, it's the way that they tech um, a, pull, a certain pulling class. So 2.5 would refer to the inducer bore uh, where the compressor wheel fits in the cover, and that means it would be a 63.5 millimeter compressor wheel. Um, but that opens a huge can of worms because, unfortunately, the the rules for 2.5 is not the same from pulling organization to pulling organization. So it, it's it's quite the gray area. Definitely. And, and we run into this a lot, especially when we're talking about sled pulling, because the classes are very regional. So mm-hmm. if you pull with ISP or Badger right. State or who's out by you, who's the big class you guys pull with? Uh, you got BOB to the south. Yeah. Um, that's Kentucky down in that area. You've got uh, Indiana has its own um, ITPA, which has its own 2.5 class. Uh, COTPC, which is Ohio, is a big one. Uh, and then you got two organizations up in Michigan. You got a couple in uh, your neck of the woods, I know. Wisconsin has two different ones that I know of. Uh, there's just so many different sets of rules. And a lot of guys are going to that BOB setup. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and I feel like that's where it's going. How do you feel about that? Yeah, um, it's just like the PPL stuff with two six. You know, if they if they'd all just kind of follow one set of rules, it would make everybody's life a lot easier. Because there's a huge difference between the the turbos, full pull, for instance, um, full pull out in uh, uh, eastern Ohio, western Pennsylvania area. There is probably the second most restrained 2.5 class available next to the Wisconsin. There's one in Wisconsin that's really restrained. And, you know, those guys, that class there, you're looking at an 850 horse to 875, maybe 900 horse um, peak at the at the crank as far as power, where you get into, like, ITPA and some of these other ones, and you can make up to 1,200 horse on, quote-unquote, a 2.5 turbo which is what confuses a lot of people. Yeah, I think that's a really good point to draw here. What are some of the differences between those rules that's making such a wide impact on power output? Well, the biggest issue, as far as that goes, is how the rules themselves are written and how they're teched. Um, because map groove comes into play when you're talking about restricting class as far as power goes, and how it's teched and what what is and isn't um, allowed. Like the full pole, for instance, with it being so restricted, that's a true 2.5 where it has to measure 2.5 in front of and behind the map groove. They've restricted the map groove down to 200 map. Um, so that really limits how much air you can actually pull in there. Um, they even have the map groove itself is limited to has to be like a box stock factory cut sharp corners, no radiusing, any anything that improves airflow. And you go from that set of rules to something like uh, BOB, where it's pretty much hey, it's got to protrude into the bore, and it's a 200 map. But they really allow some crazy stuff to go on where the map groove is and how it pulls air in. So it just you can have a 250 to 400 horse difference between classes because of how that's teched and oh. how it's how it's written. So okay. it is a big deal. It's a huge mm-hmm. deal. And huge. it's crazy because, of course, after a poll, if you're not uh, affiliated with that association and you go to hook somewhere, they're going to want to pop your hood. And if you don't want to pop your hood, they're going to disqualify you and never allow you back. 
Yeah. Exactly. And a lot of these organizations, they tag the turbos. So once they tech them, then they put their seal of approval on it. And, you know, it's it's a big deal. Absolutely. Okay. So maybe we can back up a little bit. Do you, do you know why? Or maybe you could give our listeners some insight why 2.5 was chosen for a class? Uh, well, it's the long story short is the they keep dropping back. Um, used to be 2.8 was the big deal. And the guys are, you know, that's too much power. We're doing, we're breaking all this stuff. So, oh, we'll drop it back to two six. And you know, it works for a little while when they do that. And then the next thing you know, the two six guys are making more power than they made as two eights. Well, then that's not an entry level class. Let's let's drop it down. And two fives were seems to be a happy spot where they landed, where there's a lot of turbos available off the shelf. Um, a lot of our turbos on our pickup trucks came factory or are close to the 2.5, like the LOI is the 2.5 stock box. So, you know, it just seemed like the natural progression to limit the power. So it's a more affordable class for the guys on the street to get into, but it, it always ends up going right back to, it's, you know, it's not cheap to, to win when it comes to that stuff. So. Hi, this is Nick with Calibrated Power Solutions. We're breaking new ground in the turbocharger market with our Stealth series. The Stealth 64 is a perfect replacement for any stock turbocharger on any year Duramax. The 64mm compressor wheel adds at least 80 rear wheel horsepower on a stock fuel system while maintaining stock drivability and excellent spool up. The Stealth 64 also helps maintain lower EGTs under heavy loads, especially useful for you guys pulling. If you're looking to upgrade or replace your stock turbocharger, Check out the Stell 64. Perfect balance between power and drivability in a drop-in, stock-appearing turbocharger. For more information, check out DuramaxTuner.com or give us a call at the office at 815-568-7920. Yeah, I would definitely say there's there's a pretty direct correlation between investment into your pole truck and the amount of trophies you have on your shelf. Oh, definitely. <laughs> okay. Speaking of a lot of options out there for 2.5 chargers, I do see that. I actually just did a quick mm-hmm. Google search on 2.5 charger for my Duramax, and as you can guess, there's a million results, and prices go everywhere from $800, $900, all the way up to $4,500. Oh, yeah. Yep. How Enjoy. should people compare 2.5 chargers? What are some differences between them? Whew. Um, that's a real good question. And the first thing I tell guys when, when people call in and ask, you know, hey, this is what I want to do, what I, the first question I ask is what, what rules are you pulling with and are you planning on pulling multiple organizations because that will determine your outcome too. Very cool. That's, that makes okay. a lot of sense. You don't want to buy a charger and then have to buy another charger because you want to pull another class. Yeah, yep, yep. And like, like most of those guys, it's like, well, you know, if you're going to pull full pull but you're also pulling a – uh, COTPC or something like this, like you're, you know, unfortunately, if you want to be competitive, you're buying two turbos to do that. You can't do it with one. Wow. Okay. What if I, I pick one specific organization that I'm going to pull with, but there's still a lot of turbos that I'm looking for? What do I look for between the turbos? How do I tell them apart besides price? Ooh. Um, yeah, at that point, you would actually want to. Uh, best thing to do there would be to talk to either um, the turbo builder and get the information from them as far as um, that and your tuner is going to be a huge role in what turbo you choose Um, and the other thing there is um, you know finding results dyno results um, 
you know, who's running the turbo? Does it pass tech? Um, how does it perform on the track compared to the next one? There, there's there's so much that goes into that. Okay. Yeah, do you have any more loaded questions for him or what? Jeez. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right. Well, well, you know, it's one of those that I, I literally ran into this with a customer a few months ago of mine who had called in. He wanted to take his truck in, actually in central Ohio, and he was going from work stock up to 2.5. And, and I'm into sled pulling. Like, I, I'm, I like it. I'm around it a lot. But I'm a lot more of an expert when it comes to the work stock class. So I kind of poked my head in and asked a few other guys, like, hey, what 2.5 charger should I spec out for him? And they kind of all started laughing at me. And they all said the same thing you did, Mark, is they're well, like, the yeah. rules. go get the yeah. rules. Print like, the rules. We'll start there. Yeah. They're like, and then we'll, the, the, we actually followed the exact advice you just gave. We actually went through, we tested three different chargers. We had another customer up who was doing some, some turbo testing, tested three different chargers. I actually let him go out to a pole with two of them. Mm-hmm. And the one that he ended up sticking with, I ended up just buying the same thing because yep. it obviously had worked in the field. And I had saw it on the dyno where it made like 80 horsepower more than the other stuff we had tested. So it, it was a clear front runner. But yeah. it's really hard. I think the average guy doesn't have those resources to do that. Right. If you're truck pulling, though, you should. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, you need to start talking to some other people you're pulling with. All right. Exactly. All right, cool. What's the highest horsepower you've ever seen a 2.5 truck make? Uh, just a smidge under 1,200. And that's at the flywheel. That is flying, man. Yep. What class was that going to? Where, whereabouts were they pulling? Uh, that is uh, Indiana. That's ITPA rules. Okay. Which is uh, allowed a 250 map, which, like in 2.5, your map groove makes a huge difference on how much power you can produce with it because it also controls how big of a wheel that you can run in that cover. Can you explain a little bit about that for our customers? Why does the map groove impact the size of the wheel? Yeah, um... The map groove, all intents and purposes, was actually to keep the turbos from surging. But when you get into these pulling classes where you're restricting the size of the charger, the map groove not only will help keep it from surging, but it can also be used to increase the horsepower. So when you get into 2.5, where some of these rules are allowing what us as turbo builders will consider a forward-facing style map, which means the map is not perpendicular wheel. It's kind of at an angle, so to speak, on a, like a contoured wheel. So the front of the map is smaller than the back of the map, and that is more aerodynamic friendly. Um, you can produce a lot more horsepower that way. And so like in a COTPC turbo or BOB turbo, going from a 200 map to a 250 map will increase your net horsepower anywhere from depending on the turbo and the engine combination it can see as little as 50 horse it can see as much as 175 horse increase just changing that 50,000 that's such a small change on the front end of the turbo to make such a huge impact afterwards Mm -hmm. exactly you're basically making the charger more efficient that's what that's doing for it Gotcha. People are always going to find a way to get around anything. I don't care what it is, especially mm-hmm. breaking rules. I mean, you're good at that, Paul. I mean, th- there is a rule in sled pulling that if you ain't cheating, you ain't winning. <laughs> and that, I hear that a lot. <laughs> the, <laughs> I, I did not invent that. I did not coin that phrase. I'm just repeating it. But uh, It's an old one. Yeah, I've, I've never been to a sled pull and not heard that in the pits about 100 times. But anybody that exactly. wins, the very first thing most people think is he's cheating. 
That's it's just coming. That is true. It's like, come on, what's he cheating with? That is true. Why does it got to be like that? Yeah. Maybe he's got a you know a solid background in polling. Maybe he knows what the heck he's doing. Maybe he's hooked up with the right company. I mean, experience in the driver's seat and truck setup is pretty much everything, right? Absolutely. That is ninety percent of it. Yeah. I mean, all the trucks are supposed to be limited to power, right? That's the whole idea of the Mm -hmm. rules on the turbo is let's limit them to power, which will limit the budget, which will put the same competitive people pulling against each other. And Yeah, they don't want you to take the sled home. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Okay, so, so we know the class rules are all about the inducer size of the compressor wheel. What other measurements on a turbo should people take note of? What else makes an impact? Oh, uh, turbine wheel choice, uh, exhaust housing size, all that plays into it big time. Um, and then how much they do to their engine will drastically affect what charger works best for their application. Whereas you take a stock motor guy is not going to be able to uh, use efficiently a turbo that is spec for you know something that's low compression, big cubic inch, um, lots of fuel. You know, it's they're two completely different animals and so the same turbo won't work the same on both motors okay let's break that down a little bit let's dissect that um how does the turbine size impact the charger in my head and i'm just letting you know in my head Mm -hmm. if i'm sitting at a line and i'm I'm staging the truck and i'm spooling up Mm -hmm. right turbine size has a large impact on spool up time but i don't really care how much time it takes to spool up as long as i can spool up it at like standing still right correct Mm mm-hmm Turbine gives you the ability to lean on the compressor. I always tell customers, think of it like a teeter-totter. The the bigger the turbine, the more levered you have to crank on that compressor wheel. And so if you've got the ability to push a large CFM of air through that turbo, well, the bigger turbine's going to do you more justice in the top RPM range as far as horsepower production and control and dry pressure and the ratio between that and boost. Um, if a guy doesn't have enough motor to turn that, then he's going to take a turbo that would have been 85% efficient and put it on this motor that's not technically capable of turning it. He's only going to be able to turn that turbo at 45 maybe 50% of what it's capable of, and it's not going to run as good as if he'd have picked a turbo that was spec more to the size of what he actually had available to turn it. And this is where we start to get into efficiency islands, right? Like how right. much exactly. how much available power I have and what that's going to convert from the turbo into output. It's yep. kind of like having 40-inch tires on a stock truck with uh, stock gears. You know, it's almost the same concept to me. Yeah, you know? yeah I like yeah. it. Yeah, bad setup. Yep. Um, okay, all right. <laughs> Does billet matter? Uh, in certain applications, it makes a huge difference. In some applications, it makes no difference. Can you explain that a little? Uh, yeah. Like, uh, take for instance, uh, uh, Borg makes these really nice, um, the SXE turbos, their newest, their performance line, per se. And yeah. uh, like the 67.7, um, you can get that in a cast, or you can get that in their performance line, which is the FMW. The It's an awesome turbo, but the cast wheel and the billet wheel are identical. There's zero difference. So in that instance, the billet wheel does nothing for you other than give you a wheel that's just a touch stronger. Um, it is shinier. It doesn't give you any performance gain there. Right. Totally agree. But you take like your normal 75 uh, millimeter cast, S400, and you go and get uh, a 
an aftermarket like like a six blade billet wheel well there's a huge difference in performance between those two wheels even though they both fit in the same cover why is that uh your trim of the wheel um how it grabs the air how it how it moves the air the efficiency of that uh makes a world of a difference in in flow if you're able to run that at its max capacity gotcha okay and for our newer listeners trim on a wheel when we're talking about that a wheel your, go ahead no please yeah, I'd love yeah, let, him, let, let him let the expert talk i, I got gotcha. you yeah. Yeah. No, no, you're good. <laughs> uh, the trim of the wheel has to do with the ratio um inducer versus exducer and then blade design so um like some of them will say hey this is a god uh, oh, i can't even think of it off the top of my head but you can have the same wheel but have a different trim because one of the measurements has changed slightly um and that will change the trim of the wheel. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Absolutely. If you were looking at the wheel sideways, you would notice mm-hmm. that there was a difference in the angle that that wheel right. runs. Or you yep. would notice that the blades move in a different area or they move in a different pattern, and that changes how it pushes the air, how efficiently it pushes the air. Yeah. It's also, uh, guys will refer to as pressure ratio of the wheel. Pressure ratio. Gotcha. Profile is another one I hear a lot mm-hmm. of. All yep. right. Well, when you're at a pole and a guy comes around with a plug or a slug or whatever you want to call it, and he texts your turbo. I mean, that seems to me like the old school way to do it. There's so much more they can be looking at, right? Yeah. So what's the proper way to tuck a turbo at a pole? Uh, well, uh, the slug works because that helps. That deals with just the inducer bore itself, whether or not that's the right size. Uh, a lot of your big organizations will also carry a map groove tool, which is a ball bearing on a piece of wire that they can fish down in there and make sure that your map is not too big. Other than that, it takes a trained eye to make sure that it's within the uh, stated rules and there's not a whole lot in the gray as far as that goes. Right. And that, that can be your rules that state when when and where the map groove is, if the wheel actually protrudes in the bore, the given distance. and they, they get there. Some of them rule packages are real sticklers. I mean, there's a map groove height rule, like full poles. The, the map groove has to start within a half inch of the um, leading edge of the wheel. Jesus. So, you know, there's, there's a lot there. Those, those rules, when they get that particular, that tech guy needs to know exactly how to tech it up. You know, because the rules themselves, if the tech guy doesn't tech it properly, it doesn't matter what the rules are. And, you know, guys will exploit that because of it. Yeah, I mean, that's another one that I heard. Uh, I was scrolling through as I was doing a little bit of research for this episode, and um, egg-shaped inducer bores. This is probably mm-hmm. my favorite topic to read on. There was actually a time where guys were telling each other, oh, just run an egg-shaped inducer on it, and then you'll be fine. You can run pretty much whatever charger you want. Yeah. Or they were slipping covers in the front, so they were taking S480s and slipping a cover in the front so that the 2.5 plug hit a 2.5 plug right yeah. there in front of the wheel. All kinds of crazy stuff like that. Just nonsense, but I like the way you phrase that. It's really a, it's a it's a failure of writing the rules and tacking the rules at the pole. Exactly. I mean, if you leave me an opportunity, I'm an American. I'm just here to take advantage of opportunities, right? Yep, and they all want to make the most power they can possibly make. You know, that's what it boils down to. Absolutely. Okay. How about some of the basics? I get this question a lot. Um, I I've I know what I recommend to people, but I'd love to hear, what do you recommend when somebody asks, how big of injectors should I run on my Duramax for a 2.5 truck? 
Another loaded question for There's you, Mark. There's a huge loaded question. <laughs> I'm going to leave those up yeah. to Paul for you, because you can hate <laughs> him later. Uh, well, I can tell you this. I've got guys that run 2-5 class with 45 overs, and I've got guys that run in the 2-5 class with 250s. 300 overs. You know, it just depends on the combination that you have to what injector size and how and where you want to make power. So, yeah, that's definitely a loaded question there. It's a tough one, you know, and I think oh, generally yeah. when people ask me, the first thing I always ask them is, how competitive do you want to be? Yeah, yeah exactly. I, I very rarely under like underestimate injectors, right? Because the last thing I want to do is set somebody up with a, an expensive set of injectors with a large labor bill to install them and then find out that they're short on power because the injector ran out. Do you mm-hmm. find yourself recommending the same way on injectors? Do you think it's, in a general, and I understand there's extenuating circumstances, but in general, right. do you overestimate injectors or underestimate? Uh, I'm I'm a big injector guy myself, so I've, I'm always at the topper end of that. You know, guys that... You know, the same thing I tell you. You know, if you want to be competitive, you're going to you're going to shoot for what you want it to do, and you're going to deal with the rest of the stuff because you know you can you can shoot yourself in the foot just like anything else. Well, I don't want it to do this, but I want to do this. Well, you know, realistically speaking, if you want it to do this, you're going to deal with it doing this. You know, right. There's always some give and take, and that's something yeah. that, that we talk a lot about on the podcast here is if you want a 2.5 truck, you cannot also want it to be your daily driver. Exactly. It, it just doesn't work. They're not set up to be a daily driver. They're not set up to drive your kids to school and crap like that. They're really set up to trailer into the, to the track, hook it to a sled, pull it for 30 seconds, and go put it back on the trailer. Yeah. And that's, that's really what it's about. And then work on it all weekend and spend all of your savings <laughs> on it. Right? Exactly. <laughs> what other factors impact the turbo and how it performs? You know, you got altitude, density. Uh, there's a lot of things that um, play a role, but what do you see the most as far as what factors? Uh, engine setup, um, plumbing size, uh, intercooler choice, obviously, um, up pipes, manifold size. Um, yeah, there's every variable possible comes into play. You know, the 2.5 by nature is supposed to limit the amount of power you, you're going to produce anyways. And, you know, some of these, uh, you know, the guys that take it super serious, well, you can only move X amount of air with, with said charger, for say. So then you've got to maximize every other piece that's involved with the project itself so that you get the most you can possibly get out of that combo. So, yeah, every piece of that puzzle plays into it. Okay, okay, good answer. Um, what are some of the most common mistakes driver or owners make in the 2.5 class? Um, overbuilding the engine for the class. Really? That's probably, in my eyes, that's the, the most overdone thing. Yeah, definitely. If you were going to spend less on the engine, where would you divert those funds to in the truck? Uh, chassis. Chassis suspension setup is setup. It makes because you're limited on power, so you need to maximize. You know, when you get these guys that run like outlaws and stuff like that, where they're not limited on power, chassis doesn't play as big of a role for those guys because they've they've got a ton of power. When you take the power away, chassis becomes everything. So that's money well, 
you can take a truck that makes far less power but has the right chassis set up and the guy that can drive it, and he will win 90% of the time against somebody that doesn't have the chassis or the driving skills but has a ton of money and horsepower under the hood. It's so true. I, I can attest to that. I, I am an underdog every time I pull, and I've been able to beat 900 horsepower trucks because of the setup. And mm-hmm. maybe a little experience, but more probably the setup. I won't take that much credit, but it's how you set it up. Yeah. Sometimes less That's is huge. more. Just like drag racing, you can have a gazillion horsepower, but if you can't put a track, it's not doing you any good. <laughs> True story. True story. I am a red light king, so <laughs> don't get me started. I thought we were on that truck pulling. That's hard, though. That, that's a good thing. Yeah. Red lights are a good thing. Yeah. All right. All right. If there's one piece of advice you'd like to give somebody who's in the work stock class and considering the two five class for next year, what advice would you like to give them? Um, yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I'd say build a history. You know, start somewhere yeah. and then work your way up. Yeah, yeah it's a work stock's a fun class because that's your entry level. You know, you can take your daily driver and you can get into that and be semi-competitive for the most part and and do really well with it and still drive your truck. Two five, that's a dedicated puller for the most part. So plan on working on that bad boy a lot <laughs> if you want it to be competitive. I you think know, that's, that's what that's I would a tell people. Job. Yeah, I think my advice for anybody going into the 2.5 class out of Workstock is write down your budget, double it, and then you might be closer to what you're actually going to spend next year. And that's that's usually what we find to be true by the end of the season. Nothing goes wrong. Right, right, right. (laughs) Isn't that the tough part about sled pulling is that you spend all your time getting this thing ready. You go out for one goddamn night of sled pulling and something twice as expensive breaks on you. Yep. All for 200 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> it's more than that, though. We all know that. Oh, my it, God. It's so much fun. It's, it's, there's way more to that. I'll tell you, the exposure you get. I mean, if you're a, a local business in the area and you got a, a pull truck, sure, people are going to see that. Oh, They're yeah. going to want to come visit your business. Yeah. And it's a huge yeah. advertising deal, and it's a fun way to advertise. I mean, even for the drivers, man, like, trust me, the the budget and the the headaches and shit breaking all the time and working on it's still not enough to stop me from from being into sled pulling it's still not enough to stop just about anybody from sled pulling right like you kind of expect that going in it's quite the adrenaline rush that's for sure absolutely Uh, it's a an adrenaline rush and i really can't compare it to anything else and i've Mm -hmm. i've been in a i'm a pilot i've done some cool stuff in airplanes i've done some really cool stuff uh off track on track and there's really not a comparison i can really say it it is the most involved spectator sport out there for diesels i think by far right oh yeah definitely the crowds the crowds are just so much fun when you go out to sled poles i've never been to a sled pole where i was like oh this crowd sucks today no it's always people hooting and hollering and yelling and loving it and cheering and just really getting into it and the the people in the pits are always a lot of fun and heaven forbid if you break something boy they just go off the off the scale yeah when you can hold the drive shaft over your head and everybody's cheering like yeah i just wasted i just broke my yoke and everything else this is gonna be like two grand yeah exactly mark we really appreciate you joining us today if people want to get in contact with you after this what's the best way for them to reach you uh best way uh either by phone calling the shop here 
and uh, or my website, which is DanWoodForPerformance.com. Um, phone numbers three one seven seven four five two four two eight, and that's uh, I, I'm not big personally on the whole social media thing. Uh, my wife runs my Facebook for me because I get a <laughs> ton of questions through there. So, but those are the three ways to to get something through. Excellent. Well, we really appreciate your time and all of your expertise today. We'll certainly have to come up with some other topics to talk to you about turbos again in the future. You betcha. And for all yep. of our listeners out there, please check out the iTunes page. We really need you to, to give us some ratings and give us some comments. You can even give Danny a bad comment. Yeah. I don't even mind. <laughs> Thanks, Paul. <laughs> also, check us out Instagram, social media everywhere. I don't Snapchat, even have the list. Duramax Tuner. That's Snapchat, how you can, Duramax that's how you can reach me, Danny Boss. I run the Snapchat. Nobody fucking cares about Snapchat. You say that, but I, I, I don't even want to tell you how I'm many just Snapchat joking. followers we have. It make you sick. I say this because I refuse to download Snapchat on my phone. I'm, I'm out of social media space on that's my iPhone. Two of us. <laughs> hey, you know what? Today I just heard that that stupid Pokemon app um just surpassed facebook instagram and snapchat that's it you said pokemon that's on the crazy. podcast you're officially kicked off uh, we'll, we'll, <laughs> and next week you'll we'll be featuring a new co-host yep on I the will, Diesel Performance i'm podcast. gonna be selling trucks again <laughs> uh, you back. Awesome. thank you to all of our listeners thank you to thanks, mark. mark this has been paul yep, wilson you, you bet and this is danny boss thanks for listening Calibrated Power Solutions, the leading North American developer of clean diesel power and home of DuramaxTuner.com, is the proud sponsor of the Diesel Performance Podcast. Calibrated Power develops emissions-equipped tunes for a wide variety of diesel powertrains, including the Duramax, Cummins, Jeep, John Deere, and many more. For more information and the best customer service in the industry, check out CalibratedPower.com or call 815-568-7920. That's 815-568-7920. To reach out to the Diesel Performance Podcast, send us a message through Facebook or email Paul at DuramaxTuner.com or Danny at DuramaxTuner.com. And next week, you'll, we'll be featuring a new co-host yep, on the I Diesel will, Performance I'm Podcast. I'm going to be selling trucks again. <laughs>